a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome on in. It's another edition of the Morning After Podcast, and not a good weekend for Utah and BYU fans. A lot to get to. Utah loses to USC, then BYU promptly loses to Washington. So, gentlemen, first off, let's start right here. What happened? Hans, let's start with you. Let's go with Utah and uh, USC. Just the worst possible outcomes for two games that were so crucial here in the state of Utah. You know, USC is the only other real contender, it seems, in the South, and we thought that Utah would be able to handle them. And Washington coming in on back-to-back wins, overtime wins for BYU, we, we'd hoped that they could compete and stay in that game. And not only did they lose those games, but it was like horrible outcomes in these games, Scotty. You know, you lose Zach Moss, you lose Tyson Williams, you've got 16 flags on the Utah-USC game, you had nine flags on 100 yards for BYU by the, I think it was the beginning of the third quarter. So it was riddled with flags, riddled with mistakes, dropped balls, uh, fumbles. I think between the two, I think there was four, if not five total turnovers. So sloppy play. and two ugly losses when the excitement was really starting to build here. Uh, you know, for instance, this morning after podcast, it's done extremely well because people wake up and they want to know well, what's going on. We'll see if this morning after podcast gets two listens because <laughs> it, just, it just, it broke the weekend and it was really tough to sit through both those games because it was so sloppy. Uh, don't get me wrong, there, there's plenty to be, as I tweeted out just like, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes ago, I said that like, there's some downer stuff with with BYU and Utah, but there's plenty, and, and we'll do this, come you know, come up, there's plenty to look, be positive about going forward. But, with that being said, USC, okay, I get it. Kyle Whittingham said it in his press conference, they still are USC, they still get the athletes. I don't care, this is your chance, this, this was your chance to beat them though. If you were going to beat them there in L.A., was it was this time. You had them. You had, you know, you had a, you have all these players returning on defense. They, they were one-sided on offense. All they could do was throw up a ball for grabs. I felt like I was watching the Raiders and the Chiefs in the second quarter. All they were doing is just essentially throwing it up for grabs. He wasn't making reads. They had, they had this offense right where they wanted them. Like, you know what I'm saying? And, and, 
their secondary was awful, which is which is a little. I mean, hey, I think I think Dolce and, and you and discussed it a little bit. There's there's some question marks there because they've been thrown on a little bit. Um, with even coming into this game, they had they, they've shown signs that they have been vulnerable for some weird reason. But it was still an area where I thought we all agreed that it's their best. It's their best. Their best area. It's their both. They're their strongest position group. Am I wrong? No, you're dead on, and that's what made it so difficult to watch. It was like, well, okay, Scotty, I think you've probably got a lot of. I, I don't know. You've just been in the sports team for so long, watching this, and you probably have a lot of reference points on this. Have you ever seen a football game and you're watching it and you're like, okay, the quarters quarterback's pretty decent. And then he gets injured, but the guy sitting behind him is this unpredictable guy. And you're like, oh, I don't know if this quarterback getting injured is a good thing yeah. or a bad thing for Utah's chances. Because when Fink came in, and uh, Lloyd, you can correct me if I'm wrong, when Fink came in, it almost felt like there was a resurrected sense of throwing the ball down the field, not just not just hitting direct routes. Um and, and I don't know if you have any experience with that, but that was the feeling that I got when when Slovis went down and Fink came in. Yeah, and, and oh, that's what it. That's, go ahead, sorry. Go well, ahead. I'm just saying that's it's it's a common occurrence. It's something that I think we've seen sometimes where that that new quarterback breathes some weird life into your team. And I'll just to give you a little background. I'm so I meet with some coordinators before um, before Utah State games the night before, and I'm not gonna lie, I was. Talking to some guys that certainly have some ties to that Utah program, and all of a sudden my phone starts buzzing about Lucky Fotu knocking out uh, the starting quarterback for USC, and I mentioned it, and everybody kind of gets a little bit of a sly smile on their face, thinking, "Oh boy, not only is Utah going to win this thing now, they're going to win it easily," and it goes the other way. Kid comes out, starts slinging darts all over the field, and before you know it, Utah's playing catch up the rest of the game. Crazy, uh, Lloyd. You had some comments about Blackman. I've, I've got some thoughts about him. Um, you know, I, I I was really disappointed with his positioning and the angles he took. Oh yeah, his his it's it's like Blackman. Blackman's story is like a it's a weird storyline. I mean, I'm talking about from you know a couple of years ago where he was. I mean, an NFL hopeful. We're thinking to ourselves, this guy's an NFL guy. And then he struggles. And then, you know, they just target the hell out of him. And, he just, he, he, and then, then this year he moved, you know, he moves to the safety. And we're, we see we see some good things from him. And some, and some, you know, where he's still learning the position. We still think he maybe found a home. He hasn't found his home. Like, Blackman out there almost. And, and maybe I'm maybe I'm way off on the hand and you tell me because you're you have you have a bit better eye for talent. But he doesn't even look like a Pac-12 defender. He doesn't even look like he should be playing in the secondary for the U.S. And maybe I'm just overreacting. But if I see those angles, I'm like, holy cow! Like that's that's bad. Is that coaching? Is that is that is that not having who you need to have back there? I mean, what is it? The angles and the way he was going after the ball and, and not the tackle or his, I don't know, just the positioning that he was in, it, it, it's not coaching because we've seen too many guys. You know, we just saw one get drafted. 
We just saw one of the Utah safeties get drafted, and not only get drafted, but I think he's playing for Seattle now. Is he in the two deep? Um, so we know that it's not coaching. They're coached to stay over the top. They're coached to take the right angles. It just felt like he had gotten himself out of position time and time again and wasn't making the right decisions. Uh, whether he was misreading something, and, and that's the other thing, guys. It's always tough to be critical because he could have had like slot read um, directions or he could have been responsible for other things. But it sure doesn't seem like that when you're trying to stay over the top because you know USC is just going to throw pass after pass after pass. Uh, I think one of the questions that has to be asked to Morgan or, or Coach Witt in his Monday presser is how how much did Julian Blackman's performance impact what you guys were able to do defensively? Because it felt like it had a dramatic impact on the outcome of the game. Multiple big strikes on third and longs. Yeah, and that that's really brutal. The other thing, guys weren't doing their job. Devin Lloyd comes in on a blitz on, I think it was like a third and 12 or a third and 14, and Lisk drops his shoulders and Lloyd kind of falls off the tackle. Remind me, Lloyd, that was against... That was against Fink and not Slovis, right? No, that was definitely that was fake. That was fake. That was, fate. That was definitely fake. Yeah. Second play. Yeah. So that was, he, that, that was a backbreaker. It was a backbreaker because you've got a sack. That's you know the, the ball comes back and instead it's a huge touchdown, sixty some odd yard touchdown or something like that. So it just felt like time and time again he was out of position and allowed big throws and big plays that that ultimately broke Utah's back. Yeah, there was several times where it just felt like Utah was ready to take control of that game and a slip up, a mistake. It just, you know, I and and if I'm a Utah fan, I'm insanely upset because your team's poised to take that next step. I mean, you want to be a championship team. You want to be a team that uh, not only wins the South, but wins a Pac-12 championship and then, you know, maybe even plays in a, in a college football playoff. That's a game to be had. There were so many opportunities to be for that game to be taken control of, and Utah just yeah. dropped the ball. I mean, that's to me, that's the most frustrating thing is that you're not ready to make that championship step. You're not ready to take control of the conference because you had a golden opportunity given you, and they just wet the bed. It's one hundred percent wet the bed. So, a couple of other thoughts on that, Scotty. Um. Watching some of the, the the play calls inside the five yard line, two times inside the five yard line, and you come out with three points. Yeah, and watching them go to zone read, there has been issue after issue. And you guys remember, I did that Idaho State film review that was showing some of the issues that BYU had. One of the biggest was the center position, but Omani had come back, and I thought that that would secure things. And then the other issue was the mesh point. Remember how I talked about Zach Moss was treating that Idaho State game like it was a circus, yeah. and it was a parade in the backfield, and he could just do what he wanted. Well, a lot of that had to do with Huntley's delivery at the mesh. Just get the ball and go downhill, go downhill, and make the quick decision. Make the give quick, and and pull the trigger on the give or pull the trigger on the keep. And they run a couple of mesh points, 
inside the five, and one results in a turnover because I think Huntley had some indecision, and I don't know if I think it was Devontae Henry Cole or it might have—I I can't remember—it might have been Brumfield. But it was that, okay, but that that mesh and that decision collapsed, and then it did it again inside the five, and there were some other issues uh, in in the field of play. And then on the flip side, guys, you probably remember the fourth and one somewhere at the middle of the first quarter, maybe beginning of the second quarter, right in there. It was a fourth yeah. and one, and they just ran a speed sprint option to the right side to get to the to get to the sticks and get the first, and it ended up being like a four or five yard gain, and it was beautiful. Hotly dipped down inside, pitched out to Moss. I think it was before Moss went out, and Moss hit the edge. That. Those were really nice moments. Run the option, run the pitch. Just the zone read was just killing them in the red zone. And until they get that mesh figured out with Huntley making a decision, then don't run it. Because there's been too many problems inside of it with him making that quick decision and then making a play. And I understand why they want to do that because Huntley is a game, he's a game manager and a playmaker. And <clears throat> you want to give your running backs the option, but if, if it's going to work like that, then don't run it. Look, really, um, Hans, how much, how much of it was? Um, I mean, this, Scotty talked about I mean, this is their this was their chance. They yep. got the players in place. How much? I mean, this was their chance to win to, <laughs> to, to beat USC, and so how much needs to be put on the coach's shoulders? And BYU, they laid out a game plan for this. They laid out what you needed to do to beat them. They did perfect coaching. BYU outcoached USC. Yeah, they did. And and what what it looked like? I mean, USC went into BYU and was arrogant, and they weren't going to change anything. And Utah did the exact same thing and went into USC and was arrogant and was not going to change anything until I mean until it was too late. Yeah, they did. They they ran a ton of man, and I and I kept tweeting it. I'm like, they're staying in man. And it's burning them, and it's getting them. Those receivers are just too good, and they stayed in it. And then, then I saw them throw in a couple of different wrinkles with the four downs. Remember, I talked to you guys about that, where you can still place four down, and you can spin or you can slant stunt, and you can take that, that end and drop him into the curl, the quick curl by the tight end or the quick curl by the slot. And they started doing that, and they did that a couple of times in a series, and it, and it was shutting down the pass game. But that was end of the third quarter before I really started to see it. They may have run it earlier. But they definitely thought that they could come in and press man with some of their NFL corners against some of those NFL receivers. And it, and, it, and maybe it would have worked with the corners, but it didn't work with the safeties. And I, it felt really out of place with Julian Blackman. And then... I did see some indecisions from the corners. I won't call a specific one until I go back and look at the film, but there were a couple of times where the corner looked confused in twin sets. That's the two wideouts that are on either side. And there was a couple of times I watched the corner hit and press and then think that he may have a zone release inside, but then tried to recoup and follow the, the wideout in the streak and couldn't catch up. Mm. And that happened a couple of times. And that's so, it's frustrating because there shouldn't have been any confusion. There should have been more zone. It, that should have 
really confused think in that offense, but they, they found way too many soft pockets to throw into. But I, I also want to mention this, Lloyd, because I, I know, he, he can, I think you and Scotty are right. This was the year, and this was supposed to be the year, and this was the moment, the time. We do need to remember it's not over. It's not, it, it, it's not all gone. But if USC and Fink get into a rhythm and they start playing extremely well, they're going to be really hard to beat in the South. Really tough to beat in the South. So USC's got to find a couple of losses along the line. And Utah's got to make a run at the table. Because remember now, USC carries the tiebreaker. So if they each have one loss, USC's going to be the South, the South champ. There, there is some work to do, and USC's got to find some some stumbling, but I think coming out of Northern Illinois, going into Idaho State, it just allowed these guys to think that it's all going to be okay. Yeah, that you know we've got the talent, and or, you know the film review I'm doing on Idaho State, I'm looking at it like, man, guys, there's, there's a lot of mistakes back there. Yeah, and and I, how how many times did I reiterate that? Uh, throughout the week last week. I'm like, that Idaho State film review, I'm sorry that I did the negative things, but there were negative things in the first quarter and a half. And I, and, and even I got a comfortability level of, oh, no, it's going to be okay. Yeah. The center will be back. The coordinators will see what I see. They're going to clean up the protections. The mesh point's not going to be as, as, as fuzzy because Moss will just come downhill. They'll make the quick decision. But they didn't. Every all those, it felt like they just had fallen into this thought of, well, we're going to be okay because <laughs> well, I'm Zach Moss and this is Tyler Huntley and we've got speed on the outside and we'll win. Yeah. And and it all it all just kind of came collapsing down on them um, when USC started dr- delivering some quick hits. And that's an attitude you could not have against USC at all. Like at all, I don't care. Like it's still USC. I could like I, I could hear the hit that like, I was listening to you and Frank talk before the game, and, and I know we did move, move on to BYU here, but I could hear that the the hesitation with Frank was bloody. It, it was a little bit alarming. I still went with my pick, and I thought that Utah would win big, which no, not didn't happen. Um, but the hesitation had to be like hesitant. Why is he so hesitant? Well, here's the inside. The the inside look on that. Frank all week was telling me, "Hence, I don't, I just don't feel right about this." Yeah, and I kept saying, "Frank, you're a USC honk, and that's (laughs) why." And he's like, "No, man." He's like, "It just doesn't. This, I don't like the way Idaho State's lined up. I don't like. I don't like." USC and some of their talent. I don't like that they're caged and pushed against the wall. And he kept saying that stuff. And I, I was on board with it to a large extent. I mean, I talked to you guys about how there's no way USC comes back and looks at it and says, all right, guys, we got to just go do what we did against BYU, but do it better. Like they, they had to make some changes. One was forced at a quarterback issue, and the other one was, was short and split from the guard. I, they, they just didn't get the push in that center position like BYU did that really confused the pocket. No, they, they needed to punch him in the mouth and make him quit right away, which which obviously it didn't. Right away, USC had hope. So, All right, let's shift gears. Let's talk BYU for, for a quick moment and then wrap this thing up. Uh, BYU 
that was a game that I I kind of felt like Washington was going to come in and I I didn't think they'd put it on them the way that they did, but I didn't feel good about that game at all all week long for BYU. I just thought that there was so much emotional capital that was spent. I think that people were downplaying just how good Washington was. And Washington came in, and much like that USC game, marches down, scores a touchdown. But that BYU offense just couldn't respond. Wide receiver play was just disgusting for BYU in that game. Just really, really bad wide receiver play. I thought Zach Wilson actually played about as well as he could have, considering the circumstances. But Washington really flexed on BYU and uh, and went in there, and that game wasn't as clo- wasn't even as close as that score indicated. Yeah, I agree with you on all those points. I was really disappointed with receivers. Um, right now, I've counted six drop balls and two fumbles by the wide receivers. And it just, I sent out a tweet after this game and I said, this just wasn't the same team. Think about how consistent those wide receivers were against USC. No drop balls that, that I can remember. No fumbles. And guys that were running routes and doing everything that they needed to do to get that win against USC. And it felt like it was the opposite. And it started with Talon Shumway in a post route that popped wide open. Safety was way too deep. Corner was trailing. And it hit him right in the hands. And, Scotty, you said it so well. Zach Wilson, I still thought, had a really good game. A lot of disappointment around him. and. I'll do the film review, but that's definitely the feel I got. Hits him right in the hand and goes straight to the ground. Yeah. Talon Shumway. You know, I got a text from somebody who works with this team, and the text was, when Talon Shumway drops a post, you know it's going to be a long day. Because <laughs> he's, he, he's not the fastest. He's not even the biggest, really. But he is reliable typically when the ball hits him in the hands, and it just it really got this team off to a rough start. And then obviously it continued to spiral downhill with other things that happened. Uh, you know, a strip sack given up by <clears throat> how many times did I talk about the right guard last week, guys? Yep, yep. It's, this is now the second week in a row that you've given up a sack, if not two sacks, a couple of quarterback hurries. And I think it's official, man. You, you, you've either, you've got to make the move. I, I know it's Toledo and you're not going to have the same type of rushing deep tackles. Washington has some really good defensive linemen that can rush the ball. And, and that's something that I didn't express enough throughout the week of preparation. I should have talked more about that. But they, that's this is the second week in a row that there's been too many leaks at that position. I would like to see Sally Paga has been getting the start over Lachance at the right tackle. I would like to see either Lachance or Sally Paga get the opportunity to come in and start at that guard position and see if you can sure that thing up because it is. I'm done. I, I'm done trying to get chances because it gets Boise State. And, Scotty, you know very well against Utah State, they're still going to find a way to rush that guard oh, yeah. off the one and three technique. Yep, absolutely. And uh, Boise State's got a, a defensive lineman that might be one of the best in the country, Curtis Weaver. Um, Utah State's got a, a good rushing, you know, some some good pass rushers as well. I just, 
there was there was there was just a lot of bad play yesterday for BYU, and, and that's that's the part that surprised me a little bit. I thought that Washington would win that game. Uh, I think I said on the preview show I thought they'd cover easily the six and a half, but I was surprised at BYU. There was some really individual play that really surprised me. Um, the wide receiver play really surprised me. Offensive line shouldn't have surprised me that much, but there was just a lot of just miscues, kind of like the Utah game a little bit, where you're just like, wait a minute, you're better than this. You played better than this. This shouldn't be an issue for you, and and it certainly was. And once Washington figured out Bushman and and pretty much took him out of the game in the second half, BYU just it, you knew it just wasn't going to be there for him at all that day. Dropping balls wasn't an issue against USC, and if you want to be in, I mean, let alone winning games, a game like this, but winning, but be in a game like this, I mean, your wide receivers need to help you out. They need to help the quarterback out. Um, but I mean, I, I haven't, I haven't seen an update on Tyson, uh, Tyson Williams, but that was, that was kind of a bummer seeing him go out and look, look like, uh, you know, some sort of knee. I don't know if you had heard anything, hand, but yeah. So but, Bushman, Bushman in a post game comment said that he, now this is Bushman talking post game and this is, According to the Daily Herald, he said that he doesn't think it was significant, but the the, the aesthetics, just the, the the way it looked, was not yeah, good. right. It was a planted leg, and it was a contact injury. So I don't, I don't know. We'll it looks like that, that picture. It looks like that picture when you know when you go in the doctor and you see uh, all the different injuries. It shows the football yeah. one of the guy going into the, the guy's knee. That's what it looked like. Yep, it was it was pretty ugly. But there's still but so even for BYU though, there's still I mean there's still positive. But I mean that was an ugly loss. I'll give you that. But still, they're probably about right where we all thought they would be. Am I am I wrong? I no, mean, they're two two? no, they're better than I thought they'd be. I I had them one and three. So they, you know I know that the Washington game leaves a bad taste in your mouth, but they're still ahead of schedule as far as I'm concerned at two and two. So right. you take from that. There's a lot of positives you can take from that going into this next part of the schedule for BYU. Yeah, I I agree with that, guys. It's just when you suffer a loss like that, and it's so fresh on your mind, it it it, it really takes your your ability to look past it and see future away. You know, it just kind of strips it from you because you're like it, you lost in every category. You gave up a punt return for a touchdown. How nauseating is that? You know, that's just that, that's just simple. That's just simple lane techniques and discipline. You gave up a strip sack that resulted in a scoop and score, and so you got a special teams touchdown, a defensive touchdown. You got you could not stop Washington in any category. They ran it. They threw it. Nothing felt like you could stop. You could get anything stopped. So I think everybody's looking at that like, oh, my gosh, this team's falling apart. But you guys are 100% right. They're 2-2, two and two, and they've got to get ready for Toledo. And they've got a, a stretch in front of them that they should be able to rebound, and they should be able to play well against Toledo and Southern Florida. And they should beat both those teams. And coming out of it two and two, and now you get into it, there's a lot of season left for this BYU team, and there's still a lot of judgment left for for fans and everybody on how Kalani prepares them for the remainder of the season. Yeah, 
if memory serves me right, and I don't have the schedule in front of me, but you know, last year they start the season two and one. They've got some surprising victories over. I want to say uh, was it Arizona and Wisconsin, and they're two and one, and you're thinking, all right, you know, they, they look good, and then they get it handed to them at Washington, and then the week after that, I believe, is when they lost to Utah State. So um, they're it's kind of at critical juncture. They're playing Toledo. Toledo is a good team. I mean, they went to Colorado State, put up a ton of yards, scored a bunch of points, also gave up a bunch of yards and points, but I think ended up winning that game 41-35. to So offensively, they're an elite team. I don't know how good Toledo is defensively, but they're certainly more than capable of scoring a lot of points in that game if you're not careful. How good is Colorado State defensively, Scotty? Uh, not great. Um, they're, they're, they're not a good defensive team at all this year. Well, we know that Toledo's going to do everything they can to put the ball in the air, and they, they are. They're a high-scoring offense. BYU's going to have their work cut out for them. BYU, they, I heard Kalani mention it in the postgame, and, and I'll go back and look at it. He said, we tried to bring a pressure off the corner, and we got beat on a slant for a, a touchdown. Yeah. And he said that was a really brutal moment for us because then we felt like, well, we can't go to that. And... I'm looking at Toledo. I look at Washington. It's like, well, it's going to be tough to get to Eason, good protection, you know, quick release. Even though Cal did it multiple times, I thought they would probably improve there. But against Toledo, if you are going to rush three guys, well, then Kairos Tonga better get the push. He didn't get the push on Washington like he did against USC. Yeah. One thing that Toledo will do is they'll run with pace, and and that's the that can that's the concern with uh, Kairos. When you go pace on him and you really try to get snap after snap after snap, uh, how much does that affect the big guy, especially on the road? And that's that's going to be an interesting thing to watch in this game against Toledo because uh, just just know that there's other teams noticing that if you can go pace on BYU uh, with that defensive line, you might be able to to uh, uh, really you know cause some problems with some guys. Uh, I'm just looking at this. The combined penalties on the weekend for BYU and Utah was <laughs> 20, 25 combined flags. It was a it was a long weekend for me, man. Just oh, and, and analyzing these games, it was like I'm sitting there blinking, like, "What? How is it another turnover and another flag and another face mask and another offside and another holding call and another like twenty five flags in two days?" And I'm just I'm spinning with disgust. And then, obviously, two games that would have created so much momentum for our show, just people listening, because people want to hear the positive. If you ever tune into our show and you think, well, Hanks and Scotty, they don't want them to win. They don't. You're wrong, man, because we would much rather be waking up on a Sunday morning to talk to you about two big victories and now scooting into the top eight and BYU sneaking into the top 25, if not jumping into the top 25 around 23 or 22. It would have been a great morning, but instead we're talking about 25 flags, five turnovers, two ugly losses, losing two great running backs in the state. We do not know how long yet. It just was a bad weekend. Yeah. In fact, I think I remember us saying, gosh, do you know how awesome it would be if Utah and, and, uh, and BYU some pulled off a win in you know, one multi-game game going into the morning after. Like, oh, we're like, wow, that's, that's, that's what we were like, excited about. We're like, okay, 
if anything, at least give us some, you know, a, a lot of positives. And there just wasn't a lot of positives in this game. You know, despite Utah still only losing by seven, there was just, just no positive. There, there wasn't a ton of positives. Hey, Lloyd, can you um, hit the strut button for a minute, bro? <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm just hitting the strut button right now. Scotty G? You know what you want to do? I don't know what you're talking about. Go ahead and strut. What, 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 what are we talking about here? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I listened to the call last night. The, the last thing I remember around 10, 30, or 11 was uh, 23 to 3 or 20-something to 3. <laughs> I think I heard Alex. Actually, I think I heard Alex at one point bring, bring Scotty G back into the game. With uh, with a little staying uh, a little staying alive, I think he actually brought you into that. Well, that would yeah, that wouldn't have been an appropriate uh, song to play because Utah State nearly gave that game away last night. It's it tw- got it got a little hairy. It there. got really it got hairy. Twenty three to three. You give up two big touchdown plays on fourth down, one of fourth and sixteen uh, that uh, that uh, San Diego State's able to score on. Another a fourth and ten. Kind of the same play that uh, the BYU gave up the long touchdown pass on. Uh, you brought the blitz. They ran the slant. Guy wasn't in position on the safety, and he turns it upfield and ends up scoring. And uh, all of a sudden, it's it's 23-17 to 17 with five minutes left to go in the game. Utah State drives down, takes a bunch of time off the clock, and then with one minute left, Eberly misses a 42-yard field goal. And San Diego State has the ball, has uh, three timeouts, and has, I believe at that point, a minute 30 to go the length of the field and score a game-winning touchdown. And Utah State finally gets a stop. Quarterback uh, just does some weird stuff. He runs from the 30 all the way back to the one-yard line, trying to create a play and ends up getting sacked, and that's how the game ends. But tell you what, there for a moment. It, it got... Hold on. Wow. Hold on. Sounds like you have a weird yeah. birthday, like you have a weird birthday party going on over there. I can't understand a single thing you're doing right now. You know, Scotty G is just sitting there just going, side Hey, side. would you stop? Would you stop? You got to stop with this. Bumping it. Life's good, I get it, Scotty. BYU and Utah lost. Utah State won. Hey, I'll be honest though, Scotty. You had to fully expect San Diego State to make a push because it's a good team. It's a really good team. It's a really good team. It's a good team. Yep. And that's a good win. Like the fact that they were able to put up that what they did like twenty on the first the first half on uh, Rocky Long defense. That was pretty impressive. Yeah. It's a good team they played. Uh, they hadn't given up two yards of rush. Utah State run, ran the ball a little bit in that game, but it was a good win. Good win for Utah State, no doubt about it. All right, that wraps it up for us. Another edition of the uh, podcast. Uh, remember, we do it every Sunday morning. Scott Gerard, Hans Olsen, Lloyd Cole. Back with you next week for another edition of the Morning After Podcast right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.